Uh, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, or somehow you've just never filled out this card, uh, I'd love it if you took some time, got that done, and then as soon as the service is over, those doors are going to open, and we got a gift for you right on the left. Just our way of saying thanks so much for joining us today. Here's a little one more thing for you to carry as you head to your car today. So last year, we learned something about every single person in here. All of us have the ability to solve problems. All of us have the ability to take a situation and make it work. Might not be the best alternative, but we have the ability, all of us, to just take a situation and make it work for us. The way that we know this is that we're all still here after the ruling came down for everybody that everyone everywhere had to wear masks. Like that was the plan. Everyone everywhere had to wear masks. The problem was, is there weren't masks for anybody. So the ones that we had were rightly going to the medical professional like it should. And the rest of us just kind of had to make it happen. Just figure something out, make it happen. Which means that there were people who'd made choices that didn't exactly look right, smell right, feel right, none of that. And so the internet jumped on those. So the ruling, everybody wear a mask. What did that lead to? That led to this. All right. Antivirus, 100% antivirus. I would say it's a dad joke, but that is a woman. So that would be a mom joke. That is not a mask, nor does it protect you from anything. Next one. Thankfully, no good food was harmed in this mask, okay? That's not exactly how to make that work. That doesn't work. You get no credit. And the last one, yeah. That could kill you. You might not die from COVID. You will die from the smell that your body puts into that thing. It's a perfect example that if you don't have a mask, it's not the type of thing you just kind of make happen. Let's just try a mask-ish thing, and maybe everything will be OK. It's the DVD, but we're just kind of make it work as a mask-ish. What we're talking about today is the type of thing that could not have been ished. You couldn't just say, OK, it's kind of like it. But it's, it's not really. It, it, what we're talking about today in our series of the saving life of Jesus is something that had to be exactly what it sounds like. Because if it's not exactly what it sounds like, it doesn't count. It's not what we're talking about. So where we've been for the last few weeks uh, is we're looking at the saving life of Jesus. And basically, there are 11 things that go from Jesus being born to Jesus being God. And we want to look at all 11 of these things because otherwise, it kind of turns into a hostage situation of following Jesus. The pastor says, you should do this. And you're like, why? I don't know. And it's, no, no, just do this. Not answering questions, just do this. That's a hostage situation. We want to ask questions. We want to answer questions. We want to have dialogue. We want to talk about this. So in the saving life of Jesus, what are those 11 things? And so the one that, we the one that we're talking about today is, again, something that can't be faked, something that you can't just kind of sort of make work by taping a shoe to your face. This is death. This is Jesus' death. Not a death-like thing, but the death of Jesus. And Jesus' death was the normal result of God becoming a living person. Jesus' death was the normal result of God becoming a living person. There are a bunch of things, if you read the stories of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where he's walking along, he's doing something, and you're like, yeah, I can do that. That's me. Jesus got hungry. I got hungry. I'm hungry right now. And then it'll turn, and it's like, whoa, I can't do that. Like, that's not happening. That is, no, that, that's Jesus. This is me. And so for all of us, just like Jesus, and we said this on week one, Jesus came into the world because he was conceived in his mother's womb, okay, that's all of us, while she was a virgin. That's none of us. 
So it's Jesus holding these two natures in his hands. He's 100% human, and he's 100% God. And the way that those smash together sometimes, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's part of what clues us into the fact that he's totally man, totally human, and totally God. And both those things work together. And so Jesus' death are those things working together. There's a ton written about it. You can read it on your own. But there are ways in the crucifixion, in the way that Jesus died, which he was killed on a cross, that demonstrate to us that his human body was failing. His muscles failed. His ligaments failed. The structures of the joints and everything that held him together, just like hold all of us, failed. His respiratory system failed. That was the way that crucifixion happened, was it makes your lungs and your heart fail. And then most of all, the most unmistakable part is that Jesus died. And after Jesus died, the same thing happened with him that happens with all of us. You got a body. Somewhere you have to deal with the body. And so the big explanation point that Jesus really did die, it wasn't just a death-ish thing, kind of like death. It was actually a death, is that Jesus was buried after he died. He was put in a tomb, and a big rock was rolled across the entrance to the tomb because nobody expected anything to happen. He was just as dead as all of us would be dead. It's like the joke. What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Not that he was a good person, not that he was nice. You want people to say, oh, look, he's moving. Right? Nobody expected anything like that. Just as like that would be a shock at your funeral, that would have been a shock for Jesus too. He died and everybody expected him to stay dead. But the thing about Jesus's life is one that Jesus came as a human to save humans. The second thing was that Jesus's death opened the door to the salvation of the world. Jesus' death, in, in dying what Jesus did, and we're going to get into the why, because again, this isn't hostage Christianity. This is where we explain things, ask questions, answer questions. Jesus' death opened the door to the salvation of the world. When sin enters the world, this is the way we talk about it, is when sin walked into the world, it held the door for abuse, for neglect, for death, for disease, for broken and failed bodies and failed relationships. Sin held the door for all those things to come rushing through. And so when Jesus died, he held the door for all those things to begin to become undone. That was the first that we read right before the message is that, look, all these things are being made new. Broken bodies like us, like we have decay and death that is slowly coming after all of us. Busted relationships and people that we can't talk to anymore without getting the side eye. All those things are slowly being undone. And that started with Jesus's death. It opened the door for those things to be undone. The verse up in the corner, it says Romans 3, 23 to 26. Uh, that's where we're going to be. You can go there in your Bible or your app. And each Sunday when you come here, there will be a verse up there. You can get there in advance because that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Uh, but today we're going to see in Romans 23, uh, kind of what begins as, or 3.23, that begins to highlight the significance of Jesus' death and how that death changed everything for us. And the first thing that we see is in verse 23. The media team is awesome. It's already on the screen. It says, for everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's true for all of us. Not, that's not just true for Bible people and people who think like this is just like things that we believe here. This is true for all of us, that everyone has sinned, and all of us fall short of the glory of God. And so the first thing that we see is that Jesus' death was actually a needed death. 
Jesus's death was a needed death. And that sounds like hate speech if you're on the outside looking in trying to figure out what's this Jesus thing all about. Because all of a sudden, somebody is saying that another person had to die. Like that doesn't sound right. That sounds angry. But the thing is, is it was needed because of God's holiness. This goes back to, to one thing I want to talk about. When you look at someone else and you make a moral judgment about them, whether it's positive or negative, and if it's positive, you say that that person is a good person. And the reality of you making that comparison is we're making those comparisons horizontally. We're looking at that person compared to everyone else around here. And so to be a good person, you don't really actually need to be a good person. You just need to be better than other people, right? So with God, when he looks at humanity, what he sees, and this isn't something that caused him to recoil and walk away and give up, but caused him to lean in and push in and get into our world, is that he looks at us and sees that we're not actually good. He sees that we're separated from him because of our sin. And so Jesus coming into the world to live the life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserve to die, it was a needed death because of our sin. Because our sin was, could not be in the presence of God's holiness. Not in a way that God says, I'm done with them. They have out my grace. They have done too much for a relationship with me. They no longer deserve me, but because God is holy and he can't be in the presence of sinners. One of my favorite things that I've ever done in ministry uh, was when I was a youth pastor and we got to take students on mission trips. Like this was my favorite thing because you take a bunch of kids from Fresno, Clovis, Sanger, D, none of the above, and, and you go to some places they wouldn't be otherwise. And every once in a while, there'll be an international border in there, which really for me is like a pressure moment because you never know what to expect. Like you fly into Mexico, everybody's fine. I'm glad to have you there. A few years ago, I took a group to Africa. We land in Kenya. Everybody's exhausted, but you get in the car, everything's fine. We had to drive one point from Kenya into Uganda. And I'm thinking, oh man, if this goes poorly, like we're going to be stuck in the bush in the middle of nowhere if we don't have the right immunizations or the right cards or anything like that. Man, we're going to be literally stuck on the other side of the planet. I'm going to have to call a lot of parents and do a lot of explaining. But we got to the border between Kenya and Uganda, and it's seriously not like a, a tower with a gun turret and all that stuff. It's a hand-painted sign that says, welcome to Uganda. I'm like, OK, this is fine. International border, no problem. The part that got me nervous, the one border that got me nervous was Canada. Like something about the politeness, about the finality of you drove in a dumb car for 20 hours straight north that if something goes wrong, they can look at you and they can say, sorry, you're not coming in. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like we had a few people turned away at the border one year because of the stuff they had in their previous life. And I'm saying like, what if we put ankle monitors on them and you just watch them for seven days? Nope, we can't do that. What if you just, anything, anything, anything. You're like, nope, not doing it. This is how it is with Jesus. It's not that he doesn't want relationship with us. It's that he is holy. We are not. And so we are separated from him. What Jesus's death did was it broke down the wall of hostility, the border of hostility. It became our passport to have a relationship with God. And so verse 24, the next verse, it talks about this. It says, yet God in his grace. So yet, that means there's a comparison. There means there's a change. It means something's going to be different. Because all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Like we sin. There's no question in that God freed us from the penalty of our sins. 
We sin, we're separated from God. And the penalty of our sin is Jesus. That's the penalty of our sin. That separation is the penalty of our sin, which separates us from God. And so what Jesus did was Jesus changed that. He changed that with his death and that death. And that works because it was a substitute death. So first off, it was a needed death, and then it was a substitute death. It was a substitute death in our place. We remember that from school. If the teacher's gone, they send a substitute. It's somebody different who's going to do the same thing. And so Jesus' death for us was a substitutionary death in our place. Verse 25, it says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People, that's us, people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So he's the one who does the work, and we're the, we're the ones who are made right with God because that's how the substitution works. Jesus embodied the full shame, embarrassment, guilt, separation, darkness of our soul that we deserve, that we incurred, that we built up, that we made payments into throughout the course of our life. He endured that for us as our substitute. And I think the thing that I want us to remember, if you're the type of person who grew up in church and then walked away and now you're trying to figure out your way back, is that substitution wasn't just for the easy things. It wasn't just for the kids' church things. Right now in kids' church over there, they're learning about being a good friend. They're learning about David and his best friend, Jonathan. Like, this is good stuff for people to learn. But Jesus' substitutionary death wasn't just for being a good friend. It's for the sins in our life that we want nobody to find out about. It's for the times that we've cheated in our relationships that we don't want anybody to know. It's for the financial decisions that we've made where we can look back and say, ooh, I would never do that again. The way that we've hurt people and and had the, the ramifications of that identify who we are and become a label for us. It's the sins of omission and commission, the things that we've done that we know that we shouldn't do. And we've racked with the, walked with the guilt from that for years. Jesus' substitutionary death covers that still. Because we can't sin our way out of being family. And so Jesus' substitute death pays the penalty for that. So the message for those within there, where that's you, where you grew up in church, you grew up hearing all the things, and then you walked away, and now you're trying to figure out your way back, is it's time to stop punishing yourself. It's time to stop putting yourself on the cross because of the things that you've done decades ago, years ago, and you feel like that is now preventing you from a face-to-face relationship with Jesus. The truth is that he has already paid for that sin, that we are made right in God's sight, not because we have done something to make up for our 20s, but because Jesus did it to make up, to pay the penalty for our whole entire life. So it was a needed death. It was a substitute death. And lastly, it was a victorious death. Verse 25, it says this, the sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Like that last phrase, he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Like that's the, that's the victory for us there. Is we go from lost and broken and far from God to people who have been made right with God. That means we are no longer the sinful labels that we can put on ourselves. That means that we are no longer an adulterer. 
We are no longer someone who struggles with stealing. We are no longer a thief. We are no longer a liar. But God looks at you and me because of the victory of Jesus on the cross and says that we are sons and daughters. And he doesn't flinch and he doesn't stutter and he doesn't change his mind. It's a victorious death because the sin is gone and powerless. The sin that separated us from God has been paid for and it's buried with Jesus. And it has no more power over us. Last week I was outside on the the concrete right before service. And I like to be out there from like the first moment that I can uh, until the music starts. And the reason that I know like when it's going to start is because with five minutes before the service starts, and if you get here early, you can like pay attention to this next time. Five minutes before the service starts, the music outside changes. And so I have like a little bit of a countdown. And when I had, I felt like I had about a minute left. Uh, One of our prayer team people who comes to first service and she's super energetic and stuff and loud, just like me. It's awesome. Uh, She came up to me and she said, hey, I have a question. Where does our sin go after Jesus died? And I did the math in my head in like four minutes, 31 seconds, four minutes, 32 seconds, four minutes, 33 seconds. I got to go. I'll tell you next week. And so I came in here because I was playing on the worship team and I didn't want to be late and all that stuff. Uh, because when that happens, it's super awkward for everybody, especially the person who's got to do like the Charlie Brown walk up on stage as fast as I can, get their stuff on as the rest of the team is playing. So this is the answer to the question. Where does our sin go? Our sin is buried with Jesus. Jesus took on our sin to become sinful so that we could become righteous and holy and our sin, which we created, which we put between us and God, is now absorbed and powerless. That's the word. It's canceled. It's gone. It's like it never existed because God looks at you and me now through the eyes of Jesus, through the lens of Jesus. He no longer sees the things that we have done. We see the things, he sees the things that Jesus has done for us. And that happens when we believe in Jesus. If you're here and you think a good relationship is based on how often you go to church or how often you're nice to people, it's better than that. It's more than that and it's less than that all at the same time. A relationship with God is based on us saying, okay, Jesus, I believe that the sin that you paid for on the cross was for me. It wasn't just everybody out there who needs to change and needs to get fixed and needs to like do things right. It was for me. And I have a relationship with you today, God, because you died for me. That's what it is to be a Christian. If you're here and you've never made that decision, I'm going to give you a chance to do that at the end of the service. What you're saying is that was for me. And because of Jesus' death, everything in us is open for change. Because of Jesus' death, everything in us is open for change. We move from unknown and rejected to loved and accepted. We go from guilt and condemnation to the righteous love and salvation of Jesus, forgiveness and new life from Jesus. We are no longer our worst mistakes. Instead, we're sons and daughters of a God who loves us and died for us. And that is because of the death of Jesus. So what that means for us today, because every week we try to take these things that happened thousands of years ago and then ground them in this afternoon. What that means is that you don't have to be who you've been up to this point in your life. The addictions, the hangups, the struggles, the broken relationships that you have caused, that you have fed into, that you have invested years of your life in and have ruined you does not have to stay part of your life. Jesus' death frees us to live for him. Jesus' death frees us for us to have what I like to say, for us to have a past life, 
for us to say, yes, that addiction, that prison time, that rap sheet, that abortion, that was part of me, but I have met Jesus and now everything has changed. And you know what? Who believes you more than anybody else in that is Jesus. Because he looks at you and me, he looks at our brokenness, he looks at the things that we've brought into the world and says, yes, I paid for that. That is no longer any power in their life. Those accusations, they're no more in their life because I've brought new life to them, because I forgave them, because I changed who they are from the inside of them to the outside of them. And so this is moment, this moment, this morning, this is for us to say, okay, that old life, which you walked in with, doesn't have to walk out with you. And it's not because I'm special or we're special, it's because Jesus looks at us and says, I want relationship with them. I want life with them. That's what the death of Jesus declares, is it's a needed death because we're separated because of our sin. It's a substitute death where Jesus dies the death that we wanted, that we could never do, but he did it for us. And it's a victorious death as sinners like you and me are made right with God by the work of God to save us. Let's stand and pray.